Welcome to In Early, the crypto podcast, where I speak to those at the forefront of the digital asset space, telling real life stories, discussing the growth and growing pains of the industry, and exploring how blockchain technology has made an impact on people's lives. My name is Matt Green, and I'm the blockchain litigation lead at Shoesmiths. This week, I speak to Lavinia Osborne, the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, who has been credited as a LinkedIn Top Voice 2021 and on Wirex's Rising Women in Crypto Powerless 2021, and is the claimant in a widely known high court litigation confirming NFTs as property. We speak about why this sector needs diversity, Lavinia's mission and how it can be achieved, as well as more on her experience dealing with the courts whilst looking to recover her Boss Beauty's NFTs. Lavinia, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming down. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. Brilliant. Let's just get straight into it. I think it's important that we have a quick chat about your credentials. I've made a brief intro, but tell me a little bit about your background. From a quick look on LinkedIn, you're a director of Butterfly Wealth Creation. You've been a futurist. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Of course. Um, I would say that I am a futurist. I'm always looking forward um, in a metaphorical sense and also on a pragmatic sense. Um, I think that the way that technology is moving so quickly, we have to be forward thinking and about how we can embrace it and not just from a individual point of view or a business point of view, but a societal point of view. How, what does that look like for society and how do we make that inclusive? How do we make that um, equitable and how do we make that diverse because technology should enhance society and society is made up of many people from different realms or different classes and different backgrounds and cultures and so for me futurism looks like the future or the future use of technology but in an inclusive manner. And to be quite honest, um, that is something that has driven me in my career. I didn't really see myself as an advocate of, let's say, diversity or women. Mm -hmm. But I think being brought up um, in a one-parent family with just all women, grandmother, auntie, mom, uh, twin sister, sisters, <laughs> um, and then the little uh, cousins, boy cousins came along, um, I've been very impacted by that, of course. And um, I was just surrounded by very resilient um, women um, who had to, who had many challenges for many reasons. Mm. And um, in seeing that, growing up, it gave me that incentive to want to do better. I think each generation should want to do better than the last generation anyway, but it's always nice if the generation before can give you a leg up, but sometimes that's just not possible uh, depending on various circumstances. So for me, taking that sort of mindset, I wanted to be that auntie, that big sister, that big cousin who's able to open a door and be that sort of, not just resilient um, role model, but also that resilient role model who has made a positive impact in their career so that they can be an example for the next generation coming up. So with that being said, um, all of those factors to, well, not to a degree, to a full degree, um, it enhanced the, the, my sort of, uh, of course it did, um, my journey, my, my, my career, but it was the 2008 financial, global financial crash that, uh, put me on the, the, 
the, the path to entre- entrepreneurship. Mm. And it's very interesting because, you know, growing up, I never thought I could be an entrepreneur. And honestly, I had a huge, how can I put it now? Um, you know, when, when you feel like a fake um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. When I used to say I'm an entrepreneur, it didn't feel congruent. Like, yeah. who do you think you are, Lavinia? <laughs> um, but now I feel comfortable saying it after being an entrepreneur for nearly 10, 15 years. So what's made you more comfortable with that? Is it the fact that it's just experience? Yes, yes. And also just um, habit of saying it. You just sometimes, you just have to keep doing the do and saying it. And sometimes being standing in front of your the mirror yeah. and just saying, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and also taking away the meaning of what an entrepreneur is because you have a perception of what a business person, a salesperson, entrepreneur is and looks like. But the reality is that the ideology of what you have of those words is based on people after years of being it, Hmm. then being in the forefront and talking about it. So you're kind of comparing yourself to very successful people when you're at the beginning of your journey, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's very important for individuals just to remember that we all have to start from somewhere and that the mighty oak was once just a little acorn. And it's about our potential and our willingness to believe in ourselves and also to back ourselves. It's not just about believing, but it's like you got to back yourself. So you were always destined to be a futurist then, given your background, as you've described. I think so. I definitely believe I was destined to be a futurist. What does that mean, futurist? Just for those who who may not know, and I'd be keen to hear your definition of it. Okay, my definition of it is just someone who embraces technology and looks at how it can impact the future and how we as individuals and as a society um, converge with that and engage with that. And I think that there's different levels of futurism. Um, so, you know, this is why my perception may be very different from someone else's, but ultimately it's about embracing technology um, rather than shying away from it or working against it. You, you can't fight the future or the evolution hmm. of, of society and technology. I mean, 20 odd years ago, most people didn't have a smartphone, but I'm sure everybody listening right now, they have a smartphone. And so in their small, small way, you know, if they're using a smartphone and using new technology, they're a futurist in their own way because they're impacting how that technology is being used because data is being collected on us all the time. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I started uh, started Butterfly Wealth Creation, which leads into why I created or how I got into blockchain ultimately was because after the financial crash, I got totally wiped out by that. And, um, and what, what were you th- doing during that period? Were you doing the wealth creation? No. So prior to that, I was working for a small boutique financial company yep. um, in a operations position. And um, and then after that, I flew to Dubai to see if I could find something there. But of course, it was a global crisis. Yep. And so it affected everywhere. <laughs> um, and I just, I wondered to myself, if I had got a job in Dubai, how different my life would have looked right now. But that's another story for another time. We'll have another conversation about <laughs> that another day, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but ultimately, it, what, what, what came to, what showed up for me was, how little we know about financial education and how money works and finances work. You know, it's like these kind of like the 1%, they make all these decisions about money, which has an impact on the global financial system. And then it's little people 
who are really like affected. Like yeah. everyone's affected, but it's the little people. And I feel like a lack of knowledge, when you have a lack of knowledge <coughs> around understanding how money works, you're kind of giving your power away without realizing it, but you are. We are taught ultimately at school to earn money not how to invest, not how to grow it. Unless of course you may have someone in your family who can help you with that. Or alternatively, you go to a private school where they teach you about things like that. But ultimately we're just taught how to get a job, get a good education, get a job and make money and spend because spending helps the economy move, right? And is that how you got into this? It's not necessarily because, and maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't because you had degrees in tech and you were a programmer, but because you had a financial background and you saw opportunities there. Is that how you ended up getting into blockchain as well as this idea of futurism or is it a little bit of both? Is it financial? Is it tech? Is it one or the other? No, it was, it was ultimately because the financial crisis created an opportunity for me to learn about money. And then when I started Butterfly Wealth Creation, the objective was to help people have a better relationship with their mm -hmm. money. And so when you're talking about the past, the present and the future, of money, you need to understand what the future of money is. Mm -hmm. Where, how is it evolving? Because money has always evolved and most people don't even realize that, right? So um, when I started looking at the landscape of money and where what it was evolving to, FinTech, mm -hmm. and then I started hearing about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, but at the time, and this is 2016, it was a very convoluted landscape. And so it wasn't that easy to understand. There was no education and there was no one to hold your hand to say, let me show you the world of Bitcoin and blockchain. And so I started then hearing about blockchain and I thought Bitcoin and blockchain were one of the same, but of course it is not. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but I was really intrigued. And then when I started looking more at blockchain as a technology rather than Bitcoin, I was like, and I was looking at the social impact of it and how it was promoting equity and transparency. I was like, this is talking my language. Um, and I wanted to know more. And uh, so of course, you know, Butterfly Wealth Creation was about financial education, financial wellness. So the whole Bitcoin ideology and transparency and equity and removing that middleman, it spoke. So that was a natural progression. It was about education. It was about making sure people understood the future of money. And then that led to your interest, essentially in blockchain, how the tech works. And that's yeah. what your tech side on. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. But I wouldn't say I'm technical, but like I said, if you own a smartphone, you know, there is an element of you that's interested in tech or is able to do a little bit of tech, the necessary, the necessary. But I'm not, I'm not, you know, technical in the sense of that I can code hmm. or I can read a smart contract. But it's about that history, I guess, in the finance world and that need, that desire to understand how it works and the natural progression as we are now yeah. in the world of blockchain and the different currencies that sit within it. I mean, you yeah. know, we've got the UK government talking about a centralized pound now. So yeah. that, you know, your journey proves that you're on the right track because- exactly started in something that was uh, not involved in technology. Now we're at a stage whereby that's really being considered. So. Exactly. And and also, you know, blockchain technology doesn't just touch on finance, as we know, mm -hmm. it touches on supply chain. So, you know, being able to track where our produce 
or what we're buying, what we're consuming is mm -hmm. from. And also knowing that it's ethical. I think that's so powerful. Um, and also the fact that you can remove that, that middleman so that you can be part of that equation, but in a way that adds value to the space, the blockchain space and to society on a whole. And so I think it just opens up so much more opportunities for different people mm -hmm. um, and different backgrounds. And for me, that's quite powerful. So we've talked, we've, we've sort of covered my question too, which was how did you get into the blockchain space? Yeah. And why does it matter to you? I think we covered that. Yeah, I think so, we have. We've sort of done okay. that the other way around. Yeah. The next question really is, is, is more about you and women in blockchain talks, mm -hmm. where you are the host, you're the founder. Mm -hmm. Why did you set it up? Mm -hmm. I set it up because whilst I was in the blockchain space, I noticed that there wasn't, in, there wasn't a lot of women and there were far and few between. And even when I was working, employed with a startup blockchain company that was focused on um, the idea, the ID um, element of blockchain rather than the cryptocurrency element. Was, of, what, was this around 2016-ish? Sorry? Was this around, around, around about 2016? 2017, 2017 okay. going into 2018. Um, so when I was working for that company, um, I was the only female um, employee. There mm -hmm. was a couple of freelancers, but out of all the people who were employed by the company, there was like six to 10 guys and one woman, right? And so I created, um, so one of the things I did to try and bring more diversity, created an event or we put on an event called Blockchain, Bitcoin and um, and babes, right? Nice. <laughs> Rather than the other B word. <laughs> Just trying to find, yeah, it works, okay. Yeah. Now, now, the thing, interesting thing about it, there was a lot of women, uh, not in the company, of course, but the, the it was a, um, how can you call it, uh, like a WeWork, but it wasn't a WeWork. Yeah, it was uh, one of those co-working spaces. Co-working spaces, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And of course, there was other women who were, um, and they really didn't like the title. They thought, you know, you, the word babes was me kind of giving permission to men to call us babes, which is a quite derogative for a man, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially in the workplace to call a woman babes, right? Yeah, you wouldn't normally do that. Right, you wouldn't normally do that. And I wasn't given permission, but this is, this is my thought process and it touches on the mission. Mm -hmm. But my thought process is that if you want different people to come into a space that's brand new, you need to talk to them in their language. You need to go to where they are at. And even when I started Women in Blockchain Talks, I would have women say, can I come to the event? I'm not a woman, even though I'm not a woman in blockchain. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's about women in blockchain bringing in more women into blockchain. So of course you can come. It's, it's open to all women to come and learn mm -hmm. ultimately. But sometimes women can take things literally. And because they do that, they think, this is not for me. And sometimes they get in their own way. Um, and so they just kind of like make an excuse in their head saying, well, that's not for me because it says it's for women in blockchain, right? Um, and so I use the term babes because I know as a woman at work and when you get on with certain, you know, other colleagues that happen to be women, you can say, babes, what are you up to? Babes, you want to mm -hmm. go for lunch, you know? It's a term of endearment. Feeling of familiarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for me, it worked because a lot of people came. I know if I put women in blockchain or, or just women, it wouldn't have worked, right? And so, and off the back of it, we had more women coming to well, the Well, I was going to say, what was the turnout of the event? And then yeah. what happened afterwards? And so, yeah, the turnout of the event was great. We had a number of women uh, at, uh, attend the event. And off the back of it, we like... Uh, 
we, we def definitely doubled <laughs> the number because it was just one of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we had more than double, you know. Um, but there's a reason why it's not called babes in blockchain. It's called women in blockchain, yeah. tools, right? Because yeah. you now you've opened it out yeah. and there's a sense of understanding what people want and what will draw people in. Yeah. So it's a balancing act, right? As, exactly. But for that event, it was a one-off event, mm -hmm. but not a, a business brand, you know. Um, it was lighthearted. Yeah, it was lighthearted. Mm -hmm. And so the mission with women in blockchain talks ultimately, I mean, it has evolved, but... Initially, the first objective was to spotlight the women who were in the space and to and then shine in the spotlight on them because representation matters. Did you feel like they were being undervalued at the time? 100%. I still think that we're undervalued mm -hmm. to, to a degree, mm -hmm. right? Um, but 100%. And... Um, and I think a perfect example of that is, you know, back in 2016, 2017, I was just speaking to someone who's been in the industry a little bit longer than I have, just talking about how she stopped going to conventions because what she saw all the time was not women speaking on stage, but marketing girls walking around, right, you yeah. know, in short dresses and all the rest of it. And it just felt like you as a woman was negated. Well, it's off-putting, right? Because yeah. that's not the message. That's not the sense of professionalism, the message that the industry should be portraying right exactly exactly you know and we still even see it not as much but we still see it and it's just off-putting you know because you don't see men walking around in tight shorts and with their shirts off you don't see that mm -hmm. um and that's the reason why it just bugs me so much when because i have some guys who will come onto my link who feel it's okay to come onto my linkedin page and tell me that why am i being divisive you know, why am I oh, what, promoting? Because the title is Women in Blockchain. Right. And why are you cutting out 50%? Right. And I guess your immediate answer to that is? My immediate answer is that we are focused on women because the data speaks for itself about Women in Blockchain Talks is inclusive. Everybody is welcome into Women in Blockchain Talks. We just focus on women or we just highlight women, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need, more, we need male allies, you know, and for me, Women in Blockchain Talks has evolved to not just focus on women, but just on diversity on a whole. But, you know, I'm not disabled. I'm not neurodivergent. So that is not something I can speak on mm -hmm. with, authority, uh, with authority. But what I will do is definitely bring in those people who can and will to ensure. And, and also I do small things to try and make sure that the space is inclusive for those people as well. But I'm not an authority to speak on mm -hmm. that. But I am an authority to speak on gender, race, culture, languages. And so that's what I, I talk talk on um, and I just you know just fly that flag for diversity on a whole and as you say that seems to be quite divisive is that upsetting are you sitting there going well why is this divisive it's quite clear that there's underrepresentation yeah exactly it is it, it's, it's not upsetting because you know people will have their own opinions and I just don't have time to focus on you're always going to get people's opinions yeah no one's ever going to agree with you 100% yeah, yeah. So you just have to sort of brush it off sometimes? Exactly, brush it off. But what I don't appreciate is that you come onto my page and basically tell me that the work that I'm doing, the important work that I'm doing is nonsense. To me, you are disrespectful um, if, if you choose to do that rather than asking the question of why is this? Let me understand. Mm -hmm. And even if my answer does not persuade 
you've uh, you've questioned it in a respectful way you know you don't have to agree with me that's absolutely fine but don't be disrespectful because at the end of the day you know there is the the, the, the data speaks for itself so mm -hmm. if you just took the time to look at it you would know the answers for yourself and your mission i guess is is very clear as you've quite rightly said and i'm sure it's plastered all over the marketing material yeah. it's highlighting women in the space yeah. highlighting diversity in the space yeah. how are you going to achieve that or what is the end goal or how can that be justified the anger not justified but how can that be how do you know when to stop i don't think it there is no stop it's it's an ongoing until i, I think being in this space i can see the problems the issues the restriction you know mm -hmm. not even the restriction but the resistance that's the word um to the work that i'm doing you know and lots of people talk about the importance of diversity and inclusion and how they stand for it there's a big corporate message around there is know. there is a big corporate message mm -hmm. but you need to put your money where your where your mouth is right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of of corporates who are not doing that and you know right now we're not we're not in a bull run we're in a bear run so there's money is kind of put aside for the things that need mm -hmm. to grow um i get that but at the same time if this space is moving forward you need to invest now not later on because then we're just going to have a duplication of what we're seeing what we have seen it's and the what same we do path, see just maximized right yeah but 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 I don't, you know, let's learn from the tech and from the traditional tech and traditional finance industry. Let's not talk about it and then invest in it later. Let's invest in it now to make sure that the metaverse and the Web3 and everything that we're creating in this space is diversity led. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so to answer your question about what it looks like. So I put together a mission and that mission was 50 is 50,000 women into blockchain by 2023, which is the end of this year. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> You're gonna be, <laughs> but, thanks for coming and taking the time. <laughs> but, you know, um, I love a challenge. And so, you know, where did that uh, number come from? Just quickly. I don't know where the number came from, but I just thought it was a nice number. And I'm just of the mindset, even if I don't hit it, I really know that I've made an impact mm -hmm. and I've touched people's lives. So it's not about the, the reaching the number, it's about the people's lives who I touch in reaching that number, so to speak. And so that's what I focus on. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely going for that number. <laughs> so you should. And is it a matter of trying to, so, so your mission is you want to highlight these women in this space, Yeah. Right? And by virtue of that, further, um, more women come in and go, okay, well, I can see there's somebody already in this space and yeah. there's a sense of comfortability and that means yeah. a bit more adroit. That's essentially the the, the feeling. The, right, right, exactly. And, and, and so, like I said, representation matters. And then what that does as well um, is it... Um, it's a, so a part of how I do that is outreach mm -hmm. because you can't... You can't preach to the converted, right? So you need to do, and this is the reason why Women in Blockchain Talks is so important, right? Because we would, I'm willing, and I do do the work to go out there to talk about blockchain and speak about it in a way that pe the everyday person feels like it can relate to them. People have said to me, I never thought that I'd be interested in this subject, but because of the way you explained it, Lavinia, and you talked about it with the passion that you mm -hmm. do, it's made me want to have a look. And that's the whole point, right? Getting that people is. into this space yeah. in a way that isn't uh, patronizing or too technical. Right, allows or overwhelming. Or overwhelming, right? right? Exactly. And I suppose your audience isn't just everybody. It's going, okay, well, it's not just, you know, to be able to get those people into this space, 
great. But yeah. actually, there's a whole group of women who, who are even less likely to get into it and less right. you have your mission. And, and I suppose to sort of side that, maybe the reason why you're getting pushback on certain social media channels is because you're making a difference. Mm. You know, if you're speaking to um, people who are already converted, like you say, that may not have an impact. But if yeah. all of a sudden you're you're going out there and you're pushing against a wave of people, then you're going to rub people up the wrong way. But it shows it's working. Yeah. Because people go, okay, well, Lavinia is really making a difference here. Mm, mm. And I suppose that's the mission, right? It's to get it out there, bring people in who wouldn't exactly. otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so this is the reason why, going back to what I was saying, is like, you know, if you look at some of the different, you know, an exchange, I don't want to name any names, mm -hmm. but an exchange their job is to exchange. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a compliance company, your job is to do compliance, right? Mm -hmm. You may offer education on the side, mm -hmm. but those that if someone has never heard of that exchange, they're not gonna know, oh, I can get some good education from that brand name mm -hmm. exchange. It needs someone like me to go out to talk about this space mm -hmm. and to be able to say you should look at a b c or d or these are my recommendations and this is the reason why you know crypto blockchain companies should partner and work with a company like women in blockchain talks because mm -hmm. we're doing that outreach work for them you know well let's talk about that outreach work because and my next question is is tell me about women in blockchain itself so mm. is you put on different events how does it work what does it look like and what do you mm. talk about Okay, so first of all, education, blockchain education. I feel like at the beginning and still to a full degree, um, we're uh, advocacy for blockchain, mm -hmm. right? So I'm advocating it. And so I've now advocated it to you. You're like, hmm, interesting. So mm -hmm. now you need education. Okay, you've got the education. What do I do with that education? I've started, I've gone down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need a community that can hold you accountable if that's what you wish, that can help you be, uh, to connect to other people. So it's all about networking, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's different things that I do. I try and be very innovative and fun in the way that I, um, to, to create different events. So we've got stuff like a crypto workshop, right? And that's just getting you started with crypto. And because we have different levels of, of individuals, because remember we got all people, all genders mm -hmm. in Women in Blockchain Talks. Um, and so you can have, but I will say just women because we're focused at women. So we have women who just want to leverage their pension or have a better understanding of how to use crypto to add to their income stream, mm -hmm. right? Even though, yes, the market is very volatile, but it's still good to understand how it works, right? And a lot of women who are coming to this space, they've actually said that they've had they've they've had a better understanding of financial education through crypto than through traditional finance. Which finances, is how you started in the first place. Which is how I started in the first place. Right. And then you've got women who want to build, not just from the technical aspect, but entrepreneurs like myself. Um, so they have the ideas, they need to connect with the, the devs, and then there's people who want to pivot their career. And so just to quickly just go a few steps back, the campaign, for example, the outreach campaign, what we did, it's formed in a quiz. And so you take, you answer different questions and then you could be a career pivoting Charlie, skeptic Sam, mm -hmm. uh, di uh, diversity Delilah, or newbie Naomi. Mm -hmm. Now, and we also use the term skeptic Sam and career pivoting Charlie because Charlie and Sam are non-binary names. So that's my little touch to try and be <laughs> diverse. Yeah. But again, if you take a quiz, it's not overwhelming. 
you know, and then... It's accessible. That's the point. Yeah. And then it gives you a pathway on how you can get into the space. So that's one thing. And then we do another thing like an NFT minting party. So just think of Sex in the City with some, you know, crypto technical learning. Um, so how to open your wallet, uh, how to put money in, how to buy an NFT and hold it in your wallet, right? Um, so where do you go around doing this? Do you go to... Do you hire out a space market and say, if you want to learn about all of these things, come and join us? Or do you yeah. go around to say, I know, we're in a law firm, do you go around and speak to law firms? How do you go around doing it? Um, so um, I will hire a place, I'll do it online. Um, and then of course, if a company wants to you know, put together an NFT minting um, team building day, <laughs> right. then they can hire me to do that. Um, we also do BBBs, which is Blockchain Business Breakfast. Now those are quite local. Um, so we have that in London and that's for businesses to come together and they could be in blockchain. They could be interested in getting into blockchain and come and network with other businesses that are already in blockchain. And then one of the things we did, which is also part of the outreach is our global chapters. And so we recently opened last year, we opened in, um, in Berlin, Barcelona, mm -hmm. Warsaw, and Manchester, because of course the UK is bigger than London. And we also had a chapter, which is on pause um, in Dubai. Um, and, but we're also looking to open um, chapters in the US and Canada, and so North America and mm -hmm. uh, Canada, also in Africa and in the Balkans and Israel. And when I say open, these are women who've said we are interested in having a women in blockchain talks global chapter and that's part in the of city. That, that was part of the challenge, right? It's getting women involved and because exactly. it's grown organically, they're saying, well, actually we'd like to host a local one where we are. Right, exactly. Right? <clears throat> and that's how we do our outreach. That's how we're, you know, building on our mission. And the great thing for me that I love, because I just, I didn't want women in blockchain talks just to be about education, but I also wanted it to be an opportunity for women to step up and lead. And so these global chapters are also an opportunity for the women in my community to build their personal brand and to help other women teach leadership one. goodwill yeah. they can say that you know they build the goodwill by running these uh chapters talks, chapters whatever it be yeah i appreciate that quite a bit of it you say not all of it but quite a bit of it is education do you offer courses or is it a matter of going every month and saying we're going to talk about this this week and then we're going to talk about something else this week mm. or is there or is your plan to create some sort of course that people can have. Yeah, so we're working on that as it stands right now. Um, and we're really excited about this. So we do have a, so I think it's just, I think it's important to say we have a free community. And in that free community, we do monthly mini classes. And then we'll touch on topical subjects like, um, you know, we've got one coming up on SDGs, UN's, the 17 uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and how we can use web tools around that. Um, and then we also do uh, every two weeks, my community manager, she will do something on education, like touching on tokenization. So, you know, the thing about it, people can only take in so much information mm -hmm. at a time. So what we've also done, and I'm really excited about this, is that we've created a program of educational uh, content creators. And what they're doing is creating courses, 25 minutes long, and it's by women, not for women, but it, with a focus on the women market. Well, it's about visibility, right? So you want women to be able to deliver these videos because you want women 
to be seen in this industry. Yeah, exactly, to be seen in the mm -hmm. industry. But I also think, and some people will disagree, but I think the way sometimes women put things together can be a little bit different from where guys put things together or explain mm -hmm. things. But we also <coughs> wanted to make it like 25 minutes because we know that our, our main audience, women are very busy being everything that they're being and doing. And so 25 minutes is enough time to be able to get that information mm. and, and move on. So that's the things that we're doing to, you know, again, not just educate, but also highlight different women and give opportunities to women in our community. Okay. I understand that. And, and I guess you talk about, as you say, sort of tokenomics or financial planning in crypto, or yeah. it may be that you go, actually, this week, we're just doing a networking thing. We yeah. want everyone to come down and meet each other. Exactly. That's part of it as well. So that's exactly. two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So to sort of lead on from that, what can the industry do better for women? And I have a follow-up question, but I'll save that. But it, yeah, I'll repeat that again. What can the industry do better for women? Well, I think, you know, women, one of the key things about the blockchain space that I hear all the time and um, across the board, education, 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 community, community, community is the heart of um, what we do. And like I said, it, you know, a lot of the protocols, they're great at putting together their communities, right? But they're, it's already for the converted. I really would like to see, there's lots of grants out there, not as many <laughs> as it used to be, but there's many grants out there that are based on building on our protocol. But I'd like to see some grants out there from maybe the exchanges or, you know, just some of the bigger companies that are helping grassroots community orientated communities like mine, you know, which are generally led by women um, to help with the education process. You know, like going out there and and um, doing that outreach to bring people in. Um, I would love to see grants out there like that. Like I said, I see grants mostly for if we're if you're building on the protocol. And I've seen some uh, grants that are for women led uh, projects. So it's not saying it, it, like has to have a woman, but in a leader position mm -hmm. um, in that technical um, group who wants to build on that protocol. And so things like that, I think are very important because it just makes it more accessible and less competition from everyone. Yeah. Do you think that these should be, these, these, these sort of initiatives should be government led? I mean, or private led. And I say that because you just said, you know, it would be nice if exchanges came out and did something. Yeah. And to my mind, I'm thinking exchanges are probably looking as best they can to make money deal with regulation that keeps popping up or, or, mm. or being threatened or being mm. included. And they're probably not necessarily at this stage interested in providing some sort of initiative to help grassroots. It may well be that your message is they should be. Mm. What the hell are they doing? Is that right? Yes, because <clears throat> one of the things is, is like they want more customers, yeah. but you need mass adoption for that. And also, you know, depending on how that exchange is set up, you also want to position yourself as a sort of consumer that cares or an exchange that cares in regards to protection of uh, individuals' assets. If there's scams, you know, what is your process? And all of those things, you can, you can use communities like mine to get feedback, you know? Um, not just, again, the converted, but people 
who are coming in. And so I think there's a lot of value to work with. I think women in uh, to work with a, a, a community such as mine, mm -hmm. because I think a community like mine and what I'm kind of seeing it, not pivot to, but touching on is consumer, consumer awareness. You know, um, there isn't a trade association, right, where people can go to to get information about A, B, C, and D. And so I do think women in blockchain talks also because of my litigation, as you touched upon at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, I'm very much consumer friendly. How is this working for the everyday person, the everyday Jane and Joe, mm -hmm. particularly those new to this space? How are all of these different entities and companies working for the new person coming in? Yeah, I think <clears throat> ultimately, I think all that's coming. Consumer protection's coming. Yeah. I think that's, that's on its way with regulation and financial products and everything else that we won't necessarily talk about today. Yeah. But the follow-up question I had for you was outside of representation, which is important and we've discussed, what other issues do you foresee in the industry and do you have any solutions for them? Um, I mean, I think the biggest one is, is protection. Consumer protection, yeah, right? Yeah, consumer protection. <clears throat> I think it's huge. Um, some people may say it's even bigger than diversity, but for me, diversity... It's huge because if you're not represented in the room, it's like you're being left behind and that's not fair. Why? Because you don't know about it. You don't speak mm -hmm. English. Mm -hmm. So that's why diversity is just so massive for me. But consumer, for those who are in the space and those who want to come into the space and those who are thinking about it, if they're always hearing about the scams, it's going to stop them from coming in. Well, a lot of people have that issue, I think. Right, exactly. Really, a lot of people go, well, actually, isn't... You know, I, I, my day job is dealing with blockchain. You know, I'm a lawyer specifically dealing with blockchain and yeah. crypto assets. People go, well, uh, you know, to some extent, you're not dealing with just fraud all the yeah. time. But it's like, well, no, and there's an education um, piece to be had there. And yeah. I guess that's part of your mission, right? Exactly. Along with diversity in this space. Yes, yeah, exactly. And one of the key things that I, when I talk to individual, particularly women, I talk to them about why they need to come in and lead from the front. And when I speak to them in the way that I do, it's like something clicks to them that says, yeah, actually it is a lot more than just about crypto. And then also when I speak to them about the like SDGs and how we can use blockchain technology to create social impact, sometimes that also drops a penny and it's like, actually I've just been looking at it like this and not looking at it like from a wider yeah. perspective. And so this is why these conversations are important. And also I'm not from an exchange. So there's a less feeling of, well, she's trying to sell me something. She's got an agenda, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? If you were then educating people largely, broadly, yeah. so to speak, about this space, it sounds as though you would approach or educate women differently, or the message might be different than it might be to men. Is that right? Um, I would say there's an element of a yes, but large no. And i tell you why. Because I have men come to my events mm -hmm. or come to Women in Blockchain Talks events, and they're just like, I love it. It's just so nurturing. It's just, you know, I feel like I learned a lot. I didn't feel like I had to kind of, you know, have that bravado on and talk about my, Lamborghini, my Lamborghinis or, you know, kind of like crypto crypto to the moon it it just it just was natural and i felt comfortable so the language i guess with women in blockchain it just makes it more accessible it's it's almost like a, from my understanding it's a accessibility in blockchain or a a, a language that's used to make access, uh, make blockchain more accessible 
accessible, supportive. Um, different style of educating, right? That's it's a different style of educating for sure. But I do think that we promote um, a sense of being um, supported, mm -hmm. um, a sense of being um, safe, you know, and a sense of um, uh, secure. You know, it feels like a secure, nurturing space. Mm -hmm. And I think people need that to not only uh, come into the space, but stay in the space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What other projects are you working on? And do you have any favorites that you are not working on? Anything that mm -hmm. stood out? Um, you know, I collaborate with a lot of people. I'm very open to collaborations. Um, you know, there's some great NFT projects out there. What I loved about the whole NFT space was that I felt that it opened up a pathway for more women to come in. That's what I saw, right? Um, more so than talking about crypto and blockchain. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, of course, the, the boom of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot more women coming in. Because through art, right? Through art, through yeah. creativity. Yeah. But in do in through that pathway, of course, they had to get a wallet, they had to buy crypto. And so that was a huge learning curve for a lot of women. And I think that 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 you know that was important, or that that was they were incentivized to do that because they saw the potential of using a smart contract to be able to create a passive income with um, royalties, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so yeah, again, I saw a lot of women coming in. Um and that is one of the reasons why I took my litigation. You know, I, I, I did my litigation because I just thought this is a new way, particularly for women, to access this space, be a part of this space, and also create wealth from it, right? And um, and then scammers come along. And I mean, of course, they affect everybody, mm -hmm. but they come along and they, you know, still scam, what have you. And at the time I was going through a personal bereavement and I just felt angry and I was just like, no, not today. I'm gonna do something about this, especially being the person that I am and having the kind of, uh, you know, the awards and the titles and mm -hmm. everything else. And like, I can't talk about what I talk about and tell other people that they should step up and lead. And then I'm not gonna use my platform to do what I can to change the system. Um, or see what what can happen from taking this to the courts. Well, let's let's talk about the court case. So let's let's just take it from the start, right? So, by way of background, um, the case that you brought um, was a case around NFT thefts. Yes. I wonder whether you can tell us what was stolen, when the build up. So uh, you yeah. you probably had to do an affidavit and a witness statement. Yeah. Roughly something like that. Yeah. Maybe you can tell people what happened. Yeah. So before I trust you, let me take two steps back because you asked yeah. me what project. And so Boss Beauties is one of the projects that I, I love and was involved in. And um, by being involved, I had two Boss Beauty NFTs. What is Boss Beauty? So Boss Beauties is a blue chip uh, NFT project that's promoting women empowerment. Right. And um, it was created by uh, or co-founded by uh, um, Lisa Mayer and her and her husband. And, um, and they're based out in America and they've done work with Marvel. Mm -hmm. um, they've showcased their NFTs at the um, the New York Stock Exchange. So really well, you know, well respected brand, NFT brand. And um, so I had two Boss Beauty NFTs, loved them. And- um, Were they physical, with, well, sorry, were they still a piece of art? Were they audio visual? What, what, what? They were art, art pieces. So. Okay. 
um, um, yeah, static art. Yeah. And so I had a MetaMask wallet, OPC, um, connected, and I just happened to be going through my wallet and I was like, hmm, this looks strange. So I asked a friend and I said, this is not correct, right? You know, you just need a second opinion. And they were like, yeah, your NFTs are being moved. And I was like, what? So this was, you logged in on OpenSea, you bought them off OpenSea, right? No, they were gifted to me. They were gifted to you as part of that yeah. project. So it was in my in right. my wallet. And I could see them on OpenSea, of course. So you log in, there they are in your wallet. You're very happy with that. Yeah. And then you log in one day and they're not there anymore. Yeah. What is, for those and who don't necessarily know or have a wallet or have seen it. What does it look like? What does a wallet look like really? Can you see that it's just nothing that you log in? It's mm. almost like an inbox and it just says empty. Is that, no, what, what does it look like? It, it looks like, it wasn't even that it said empty. It's like, you know, when you have an activity and so it shows that it was there and then it shows that it's been moved. Oh, withdrawn. Yeah, right. exactly. But it doesn't say withdrawn. It, it just says transferred. Transferred to yeah. someone. Exactly. Right. And so you're looking at it thinking, uh, you start questioning yourself and like, did I, did I do something? Did I touch something? And, you know, obviously being in web two and using the internet and being, you know, doing marketing, I know never to just click on a link. I, I so I'm very fully aware about how to protect myself mm -hmm. to, you know, a large degree. And also being in this space, again, I'm fully aware of different scams. So it was just like, no, I never clicked on a link. I haven't sent anything. Did I sell anything? And I don't remember. No, no, you know. And so it's kind of like you're gaslighting yourself because you think, what did I do here? You know, you want to blame yourself rather than think. That someone else has done something. Right, exactly. Right? Because that's scarier. Yeah, exactly. So when you logged in, how long ago had your assets been withdrawn? So um, it was January and I'd logged in the February. Right. So actually it was quite a, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, so anyway, I then was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? And so I put a message out on Twitter actually. And Using the network from women in blockchain. Exactly. Right. And, um, and I was just like, you know, my NFTs have been stolen. Who should I talk to? Blah, 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 blah. And then I get a message, a private message from OpenSea. And I was like, wow. I'm impressed. OpenSea has responded did to me. Did you at OpenSea on Twitter? Yes, yeah, okay. I did. And so, um, so I sent them a message. I didn't give too much details. I just mm -hmm. kind of gave an overview. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like I thought I'm going to use my status of the, you know, being in this space, leading in this space, doing what I do in this space to see who can help me. And so I was like, oh, OpenSea know who I am. Great. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then on closer inspection, it wasn't from OpenSea. It was a scammer using the OpenSea name, but the way they did it, it looked like it was from OpenSea. And I guess it didn't have a blue tick or it maybe appeared, no. but it had, instead of being the normal OpenSea, it would be open-C or under, yeah. whatever it was, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. Was I that was, part of the scam? I suppose the scam had already happened, but it was a follow-up scam. I don't even know, because how do you know? I mean, there's so many scammers, you don't know who's working with who. And that's the problem. A lot yeah. of people get scammed. And then someone goes, oh, I can help you. And that's yeah, another scam. I've, exactly. I've had cases where a client um, was scammed and then the person that he was communicating with on WhatsApp said, oh yeah, if you just dump another 70 grand for your withholding tax, that yeah. doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Then uh, you can have your money back. Yeah. And then you get a further scam whereby the same guy had um, 
an individual contact him on his on his WhatsApp going, yeah, I uh, I know who scammed you. And if you pay me some Bitcoin, I'll tell you who it is. Yeah. So the, the, it, it's constant yeah. and frustrating. So if you're in that position, yeah. I guess that there had been misappropriation of funds where those NFTs had moved. And then there was a follow-up attempt to scam you, yeah. I guess, by getting personal information. Is that what they were after? I don't even know what they were after, but ultimately they know what their game and agenda is. You know, you just, and you're in this feeling of desperation. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you're in that moment, because I've had people say to me, I'm like, Lavinia, I would never do A, B, C, and D, but because I was in this position. Oh, I hear this a lot with you clients, know, yeah. You just, it's like you're, your senses just, just go out the window, so to speak. And there's a lot of embarrassment, I think, yeah. when this happens and people don't always want to speak to the police or lawyers because they want to distance themselves from the whole thing. So right, like, exactly. A lot of the time, to start with, you're to some extent sort of emotionally counselling people and it's, yeah. it's, it's upsetting because they feel like they've been really silly. But ultimately, yeah. people at the very highest end of this space get scammed. Exactly, and exactly. It, it does happen. It doesn't mean that... Um, you've been necessarily silly or stupid or negligent. It happens. Exactly. But this is what someone once said to me, Matt, and I was just like, wow, if you have that mindset, then I'm I'm sorry, you're as bad as a scammer. Yeah. It says that if you're in this space, then what do you expect? It's part of the fire, you know? People say it's the risk, right? It's the yeah. business risk. You're dealing with, uh, you know, un largely unregulated yeah. assets. Yes. You know that already. You're yeah. You're taking that risk. Yeah. I understand in theory why that is a message that's been communicated to you. Not helpful. Yeah. Not particularly empathetic. No. And it doesn't mean that um, you should be deprived of your asset. And it also doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and do something about it. Yeah, agreed. And so, you know, the essence of the conversation was like, you know, just get over it, you know, move on. It's just part of being in this space. And it's just like, maybe it is. Right, because how do we find solutions if mm. there isn't a problem? But ultimately, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do something about it, and it doesn't mean that it's it's um, that you should be, like you said, not empathetic to the individual. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I'm just like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> we'll park that comment. <laughs> and the reason why, and I think you alluded to this earlier, the reason why you wanted to bring this litigation to essentially recover those specific NFTs was because you wanted to send a message, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. So the message, there was multiple messages and multiple messages is one, I just was like, I didn't want to, I wanted the scammers to, to just understand, no, like this is wrong. You can't do this. Mm. Secondly, I wanted to, uh, to see what we could do to retrieve. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, how can we make it easier for the everyday person? So those who are willing and who are taking that risk, so to speak, to come in can feel like if something does happen, mm -hmm. there is some level of recourse for me, you know? And that to me is so important. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a sense that you weren't prepared to roll over and you were willing to say actually to the world, this shouldn't happen yeah. and uh, I'm gonna go do something about it. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. I understand that. So I guess, I, and, and it ended up in a judgment whereby it was the first time NFTs yeah. had been traced and, and seized and one of the judges was considering whether they were property and then he sort of decided that he was. What was dealing with lawyers, what was dealing with the courts? What, how did you find the whole process? Um, I appreciate it's still live, so there's certain yeah. things that you can and can't say, but 
Now, how, how was it? Well, first of all, I've got to give a shout out to Rachel Muldoon, who, was my, who is my barrister. She is excellent and definitely a trailblazer in this space. Um, and uh, she made it easier for me, but it is still not easy. Um, very overwhelming. And I was talking to, um, you know, another lawyer who's, um, you know, uh, very active in, in this space. And I was just saying that I think would be useful to the layperson is if there was like a document um, that kind of broke down some of the the words that are legalese, basically. Pr proprietary and connections yeah. and stuff right. like that. Right, but within the legal context. Mm -hmm. So that when we are discussing and talking, there's a sense, because, you know, most people in this space are very intelligent people. But of course, if you're just not used to certain terms, it's going to be overwhelming, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you have like a sort of, sort of a, a layman's guide to these terminologies, I think it would just make it that little bit easier. Um, and, I, and I think that what I've done so far in regards to creating case law, you know, being that, that person, the first person in the world to receive a proprietary injunction is, and, you know, and as I said, the litigation continues. Um, but in doing what I've done so far, someone else may be able to take up the gauntlet where, where I will maybe draw the line mm -hmm. or complete or finish and they could take it that step forward because it is this is not a it's not a sprint it's a marathon mm -hmm. and if this space is going to grow which we believe it is going to then there's going to be a lot of developments a lot of evolution as particularly in this space yeah because it was a case whereby it was an nft that was followed and it was injunction over those specific assets and there'd been mm -hmm. cases prior whereby it was it was fungible token so yeah. it was a proprietary injunction over assets that could be traced in this instance it was a matter of following those exact nfts because by their nature you can't yeah. trade one for the other exactly their whole exactly and and i guess where is the litigation now obviously again there's there's certain things you can and can't say but you know how long has it been going on for or when did it start and last i guess year. Last, last year so it's coming up to a year and you're getting to a point now where Things are ongoing, I guess. Things are just ongoing, yeah. So can't talk too much about it. Yeah, can't talk too much about. <laughs> I have to it. pick your brains when it's all over. Yeah. But again, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And I guess, and this was a question I think maybe you've, you've already touched on, but it, it's probably worth digging into a little bit more. Do you feel like it's important to be part of a case like this, and what message does it send to the wider world? I think you have touched on this, but yeah, of course, of course, it's important because first of all, I'm using my platform for good. Mm -hmm. It is for good, mm -hmm. but I'm actually walking my talk, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I just, I think, um, I think that it's important for people to see me, the good, the bad and the ugly, go through this process. Um, and I also think that um, it's good for people to see that someone like me is fighting against scammers, you know? Um, and then I, it was important for me as well to understand the process because when I have people come into my community and ask me questions, I'm able to help them, I'm able to... Yeah, that's one of the things that I was gonna say because people come to you and maybe they're in part of your network, they say that they've been scammed and you can actually talk from experience. Exactly. As someone who has been or is a victim yeah. and has dealt with the struggles of yeah. recovery. Yeah. Um, so I guess it gives you, I suppose, credibility is a weird word to use yeah. in this sense, but it gives you credibility to talk openly about your experience. And I suppose it shows to the world 
um, that this is important. Yeah, exactly. And of course it's important because it's your assets. Yeah. And um, and we we need to protect ourselves as best as possible. I'm going to ask one final question. It's nice and broad for you. Mm-hmm. Where, well, what does the next few years look like for you? Mm. Um, I would say... For me personally, of course, is to continue to do my outreach programs to expand women in blockchain talks via the global chapters route. But me, Lavinia, I'm looking at writing a book. Um, I am looking to do more just uh, public facing um, things. It's the goodwill, (laughs) right? It's the goodwill. Building that goodwill, getting yourself out there to push out your messages yeah and and also just do more outreach just through my story as an entrepreneur and also as a litigate a person in litigate um Mm -hmm. and who went through this case and i you know at the end of the day i always talk about and you touched on it doing you know i wanted to be a positive um influence and create a positive impact in this space and leave a legacy and i've you know, this court case is definitely a, a part of my legacy in this space. But again, you know, for me, it's very important to walk my talk because I can't tell other people to do it if I'm not doing it. So I hope by, by just being in this space and being a woman, a woman of colour, you know, it will bring more diversity and more individuals um, into the space just because I am being and doing. And so, have you seen, I, I appreciate that I said it was one last question, but yeah. just to follow on. Mm. Have you seen since you started this journey mm-hmm. an increase in diversity or at least an increase in women participating? In 100%, 100%. And I'm really proud to say that there are a number of women who are building up their brand and their name. And, you know, they, they will say, I came into the space because of Lavinia. I came into the space because of Women in Blockchain Talks. I heard a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, one person heard the podcast in Colombia and then they came to the UK and they've been building their brand. Nice. You know, um, people have said, yeah, I heard about this space first because of an event that I went to that Lavinia was speaking at. And so I know from those testimonials mm-hmm. that I am making a difference and I'm really proud of that. So, Lavinia, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Is online and yeah, uh, the best place to find me is LinkedIn. I love, I have a love affair with LinkedIn, <laughs> um, and also Women in Blockchain Talks company page is on there. Um, we have our website coming uh, revamped, so of course that's www.womeninblockchaintalks.com. Um, so those are the two best places to find us. LinkedIn. Um, for me, Lavinia, and also for the company, and then women in blockchaintalks.com. Well, great. And thanks for coming on. I really appreciate the time. You look like you sound, well, you sound like you've got lots going on. Yes, I do. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. (laughs) This podcast does not contain any financial or legal advice, and you should not seek to rely on it as such. Opinions are the individual's own. This podcast was produced and edited by Joe Hawkins and music by Luke Carey. Thank you for listening and see you next time.